Strawberry used to be known as Nordic Choice Hotels, but went through a transformation to think much more expansively about hospitality. You may remember Carl Oldsberg talking about this a few months ago. We wanted to become more relevant to more people more often through this strawberry universe that we're trying to create. We want to be a bigger part of our guests and customers' life. On average, within our region, they spend about two nights at a hotel on average. So there's 363 days where we're not relevant. So we want to become a brand, a company that is more top of mind outside of that hotel experience. Before we was Nordic Choice Hotels, but now it's just strawberry. So we don't have hotel in our company name anymore. So we can allow for that growth and to become more than just that hotel partner. I'll link to that story in the show notes. But in this episode, I want you to hear how Carianna Fisbeck brought everything she learned from technology leadership roles in the music, publishing, and fashion industries to Strawberry, where she became their senior vice president of technology and is building the technology that allows this company to be so innovative. In this episode, you'll hear her first impressions stepping into the world of hospitality, which I appreciate hearing from a fresh perspective along with how she structured her teams, evaluated technology, and then approached change management so that Strawberry could get the most out of the technology it bought. Hospitality. 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 Hospitality brings people together. This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started. And I spent my whole career working in hotel tech, so I feel like I'm almost too close to it. I'm curious, as someone who coming from outside, was there anything that sort of surprised you in the sense of how hospitality broadly was thinking about or using technology? This will be my own analysis, so it's, it's not like fact-checked with everyone. But I think that there's a combination of things that have been going on in, in hospitality and it's fast and foremost, I think, because the industry is one of the eldest industries there is, right? So it hasn't been challenged in the way that maybe other industries have been, but industrial revolution, it's been allowed to stay the way they are and very people-oriented. The understanding and the sense of urgency to take on technology is has been a bit lagging behind which I kind of like in a way. Why is that? I kind of like it because I feel sometimes for the techies and like, you know, the most sort of like have to drive innovation. We're so focused on technology that we forget people. And I mean, at the end of the day, there is nothing to be had by just using technology for the sake of technology. I mean, we are here to have a good life, uh, interact with each other and, and be happy people with a planet that we can actually live on. And I think that prospect is sort of lost a lot of the time when we talk about the importance of digitalization and speed and industrial revolutions. It's like, yes, but let's not forget why we are here. We're not just going to be the most efficient robots in the universe. We're going to use technology to cater for good experiences for people, planets, animals, plants. I kind of like that about hospitality, but I guess what I was a bit surprised by was that it was still not very data-driven. Coming from retail, where also there's a big logistic part of producing in fashion, you have God knows how many SKUs per, uh, you have this shirt in, you know, in, in black and blue and red and yellow and small and extra small and extra long sleeves. And like, 
There's a lot of details on date, master data, pictures, they have all the fabrics, everything that you need to know about the products that you're actually selling. All of that data knowledge, the hospitality industry I found as a whole hadn't gotten very far on. And also the value chain, you know, that like how you connect this system with that system. And the fact that people were so friendly and service oriented, it makes us also, I mean, the flip side of that is that you try to solve every problem, even though you might not have the right competence for it sometimes. So they're getting to the point where you, you understood that, you know, you have to have this engineering competence in the company as well to solve that. It doesn't really, it's not going to help just that we're good people. But I see that across a lot of the industries in hospitality. I think we are one of the slowest industries to use technology for better or worse, I suppose. I want to get into how you thought about solving that challenge, but want to go back to those early days and I'm curious about how you thought people and on your team and the teams that you were building, that you had, that you were building, and these roles could be internal, they could be external, but I feel like effective use of technology is going to require both good tech and good people who know how to use that tech. Were there roles that were important for you to have on your team as you thought about becoming more data-driven and a more technology-enabled company? Yes, what we've done is we've, we've sort of strengthened the engineering and architectural side of it. We had some great architects, but we sort of expanded that. We really need good architects with technology to be able to see the end-to-end value chain and understand and be able to follow the data. That's been really fun, actually, in, in Strawberry, to be able to work with that mix of people coming into the tech department from the hotels with great industry knowledge and mixing them up with the classic engineers and developers and architects to move forward. We definitely had to strengthen some of the capabilities around also, you know, network and everything that has to do with security, which is a horrible issue that keeps getting worse all the time, and the use of new technologies. So we did that, but I think what we've also had to work with a lot is around digitalizing the business side, because basically we could have done, you know, this, we we're doing this big program now that we're, that we're changing every system that we're using, basically. We, we're changing the, the PMS, the POS, the, the event in my, in my systems, the spa systems. We're changing the whole integration platforms, the, the web platform, the uh, data warehouse has to be rebuilt from scratch. All the data models have to be rebuilt from scratch. The accounting systems, ERP, everything is actually changing. So it's super fun and super challenging to do that. And then we have to get everybody that is going to use the system on board as well on how to be work more efficiently. How do we mix that very people-oriented culture with all these efficient goddamn processes in all these goddamn new systems? So I think that has been change management and digital competence in the business has been equally important in driving the company's technological shift. I mean, it's new learnings every day, but tech side and the business side, I suppose. You just ran through a very long list of technologies. If I think about any one of those, the property management system, the POS, anyone that you mentioned, that is a huge undertaking. I think to make a change there requires you to think about, hey, there are technology out there that can help us and give us capabilities that's worth that. We talked a little bit privately before we started recording about how you have a philosophy in general of buying versus building technology. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? What has led you to approach technology that way? I don't really have a philosophy of buying versus building, but it's more like don't build something that you don't have to build. There's something that's already built better than you. 
So we're trying to get that mix right all the time. I mean, we do have a great team of fantastic developers as well. But, you know, like standardized systems like accounting, ERP, my systems, even PMSs, there are a lot of great companies out there that have been doing this for a long time. And they are tech companies. And we are a hospitality company. I know everyone says that everyone is becoming a tech company, but but come on, we're not. We're not a tech company. We don't think tech fast. We think hospitality fast and then we use technology. And that's fine. So we have obviously a philosophy of thinking that we have to identify and find the best partners out there for tech systems. And then what we think that we can actually do this in another way. We can twist this. We can build this experience or that part of our whole architecture and tech stack better if we do that ourselves or it will fit our business better if we do this ourselves then we go in and say like okay we're going this is we're going to own this part of the technology or this part we're going to build that makes sense i'm curious how you think about evaluating technology because if you look at any one of these solutions if you take a property management for example there has to be more than a hundred providers of property management solutions how do you think about evaluating a category or a solution it's really hard, of course. I mean, you've got the classic sort of RFPs and RFIs and blah, 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 and you go out to a broad horizon of vendors, which we obviously have done with a lot of the, the vendors and partners that we've chosen now. We didn't just accidentally land on Muse when, when, when we decided what PMS to be able to. But I think it's very different to evaluate a tech vendor now than what it was, because you really have to try to get a hunch on their ability to innovate and keep up with the shift of technologies. Whereas like 10 or 15 years ago, you would evaluate the product that they had. And that was the product that they had. And then maybe you would do some upgrades or whatever, but you sort of, you know, you, you had a process and you chose a product and then that's where you were. Now you're actually choosing a partner more than a product, I think. So you have to choose a partner that you think will be able to, to scale their business and product to the shift of technologies and understand your business. So it's almost like you're evaluating people and partnerships more than the actual technology. Though, of course, the technical platform is a very big part of it. At least that's how I like to think about it. And I think also in, in the world where you know you can do whatever you want to with this kind of technology and integration, it is the culture and the chemistry between you and your partner that will define if you get somewhere or not. Do you still do RFPs? Yeah, we do, but not for everything that we do we also i mean now that we're actually we migrated i think around 150 hotels last year to the new tech stack so we have around 100 left but we're doing five to six hotels a week so it's, it's crazy really i don't know how they do it but they do it the teams are fantastic amazing people but now that we've done that we will be able in a much larger way also to evaluate in smaller purse percentage of the company, which is part of the strategy and, and why we want to use more microservices and all the modern technology so that we can go in and say, instead of doing a large RFP and then try to make a draft and old sort of waterfall and methodology to how we're going to use the system that we've built uh, or bought, more bought than built actually, we can capable implement it on three hotels. And if it doesn't work, we'll take it out again. I think it's one of the wonders about getting over to the new tech stack that is hard to explain to everyone that is working in, in the various positions. But if you want to look at it from being flexible, having speed, being able to innovate and move fast, that's where you want to get. You want to be able to try fast, fail fast, and move fast instead of doing RFPs that are, let's face it, at the end of it, 
they're, they're a theory. You don't know if it's going to work until you actually try it out. You touched on a lot of different elements of finding a right partner. You talk about people, where they're going. What are some criteria that come to mind or, or how you approach that process? Is it meetings with these teams? Like, what are you looking for? What are you trying to understand as you're assessing this? That would be a bit different also, of course, but it's a lot about meetings and figuring out if their set of values, you know, the way that they uh, talk to you, the way they treat their people, the way they are rated by various uh, partners, in, in obviously in industry magazines and contests as well. You have to observe these partners over time to see if they actually get who you are and if they want to innovate and want to move together with you. For some of them, I mean, they're public companies and they, and they, they have to do funding as well. So you can obviously measure that if they are that, if they're getting funding, if other people are taking interest, if investors want to invest in them, that is a very good parameter to say that, okay, well, there's something here because a lot of people are hoping to make a lot of money on this company, then they must be doing something right. But uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you can track and you can do analytics and you can do everything, all of that. But it's still a tiny bit. It's, I think maybe experience. I don't really believe in gut feeling. I believe gut feelings are basically experiences that you can't really place into boxes. You're not sure what it is, but you can see it and feel it because you've done this before and you have to mix it with that as well and take a little risk. Makes sense. So let's say you go through this whole evaluation process, you find the right partners, you buy the technology, sign the contract, then comes the time when the rubber hits the road and you start actually implementing. You are going through this process right now with your teams. You mentioned doing this changeover of technology, five or six hotels a week, very rapid pace. How do you think about change management? Because that can be very, very difficult. What have you found to be useful and effective in getting people to not only install it correctly, but change workflows so that they're getting the most out of this tech? Listening to them, I think, is the most effective because, I mean, we were actually joking about this a bit earlier today because we were talking about change management. And it is, to be fair, I mean, the new processes and systems, I think they, I would say they're, they're only 30% tech. It's 70% change management and people. And it's really hard to explain the importance of change management and what will hit you to someone who hasn't done it before. So we were joking about how for me, like, since I've accidentally done this my entire life, I know that, yeah, shit will hit the fan. It will be really horrible for a while. Then we'll move over to this phase. Then we'll move over to this phase. Then we'll go back to that phase and we'll have to try again. But explaining that to someone that hasn't done it before, I think it's almost impossible because it's so theoretical. So I think when we work with change management, it's a lot of be patient, be friendly, be nice take people's concerns seriously, even if they, to you, feel like a stupid concern and you know that isn't really a problem, it will still be a problem to the person you're talking to. So I think it's a bit pull, push, adjust on the way, always be nice, always take time to, to speak to people, find out who are the worried people, how can I help them get aboard, who are the really you know positive ones that want to try and change and run along, how can I get them to help the others? And how do we all combine these people? And also, I think it's one of the most useful things I learned when I studied project management is that there is no template to do project management that fits every project. Every project is different because the people involved in the project are different people. So adapt to the people that you're actually working with. I mean, just to follow up on that, I'm, I'm thinking of a, one specific piece of technology, like a point of sales solution in a restaurant, right? 
I'm curious what you found useful in helping your teams understand the people that you're serving and using an example of like a restaurant technology or we could use another example, but I'm curious if you kind of have them observe what a workflow looks like or something like that. It's a yes and no, actually. I mean, the people that are out there rolling it out, they come from the places where they're rolling out. I mean, our system owner for POS, he knows the industry from the other side because he's worked there for ages. And I think that's, that is crucial because you don't want something, someone purely technical to own a system and describe what you want out of it if they don't understand what it's like to be there, like you're saying in a restaurant, to be there when you know it's a rush and there's a lot of customers and you're out there on the floor. And no, you cannot go back to your computer to check this because there is no computer. So I think to understand the people that we're working with, we have to continue to get people from the actual industry or a system department that we're going to change into tech to help explain to the technicians, what do we want to achieve? Why do we want to do this? And then again, combine that, get the technicians out there because they will observe things that you can't really identify if you're a non-technician. The amount of times where I had someone say like, oh my God, how are you doing this? We could solve it like this. It's a combination of putting, I think, business and technology together. It makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you walking through that. I would love to hear what you're most proud of building so far in the company. If I think about Strawberry, it is such an innovator in the world of hospitality, not just doing traditional hotels, but thinking expansively about what hospitality can be. I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of what tech has allowed you to do in that sense and supporting that brand promise? I think what I am the most proud of is how the company and its people have taken on the challenge of adapting new technologies and processes without having done it before, but still realizing that it's important. And then they always, you know, every challenge that you throw at them, that they, they're stuck on. Uh, I think running a hotel is maybe one of the most agile businesses you can be in. Because you have to adapt to your customers every day and you have no idea what they're going to do. They might be great. They might be horrible. They might cancel last minutes. They might be really depressed. I mean, and they've taken the hoteliers and, and the company headquarters have taken that attitude into the whole tech program and, and dived head on. So I think that's one of the things that I'm most impressed and proud about is how they actually work with the challenge. Then obviously, I mean, we, had a, we, we got hacked around, what is that, two years ago? Is it three years ago? I'm not even sure anymore how the whole company came together and how when we said that, okay, we could clean all your computers, that will take us four months, or we could just move to a new operating system within 48 hours, but you have to change everything and do it yourself, guide you, but you have to do it how they then, they took that on. So basically we didn't close down one single hotel under the whole hack attack. We just moved them over to new technology and they did that. And they kept that attitude and they cheered each other along and helped each other. It's large, you know, to watch a whole organization move together towards the future and solving problems on the way. And I'm really proud that we found that mix of tech and attitudes in the company that we can do that. Well, I feel like in both good times and bad times, everything that you've talked about in our conversation from culture to people working together to thinking more expansively about technology and the role that it plays in enabling the type of hospitality that we want to provide. It allows you to run Strawberry as you're doing now. So, Kariana, thank you so much for taking some time to join us and chat with us today. Thank you so much.
Before we go, I want to let you know about a few more things. First, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality. Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on this show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in, whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes for some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow. 